This podcast is brought to you by Stella Artois. When you're planning to enjoy everything Houston has to offer, especially all the great restaurants in our city, start with Estella. Whether you're going to eat with friends or solo, start with Estella. Stella Artois. Enjoy responsibly. Welcome to What's Eric Eating, Culture Map's bi-weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor, Eric Sandler. This is the Thursday show where I have a conversation with a couple of people in the food world I think you will want to learn more about. Gentlemen, let me introduce you separately so that people can hear your voices. Making his triumphant return to the show, he is a co-owner of Prospect Park, The Warwick, and for our purposes today, Rock House Southern Kitchen. Rob Wright, welcome back to the show. How are you? Thanks for having me. Thanks for doing this. He is the executive chef of Rock House Southern Kitchen, Chabril Riddick. Welcome to the show. How's it going, man? Thanks for having me. Thanks for doing this. Chef, let me start with you since since you're new to the show. Can okay. you just a little bit about kind of how you became a professional chef and kind of what led you to, to Rock House? Well, uh, growing up, I didn't know uh, as I was younger that my grandmother was a uh, amazing chef in the Virgin Islands. Uh, so I always had it in my blood. I actually wanted to go to culinary school out of high school, but my dad was like, nope, you want to be an engineer? You need to get a stable job. So I went to preview to be an engineer for two years, but instead of going to class, I was throwing dinner parties and I realized, you know what? It's not for me. I'm supposed to be a chef. Uh, dropped out, went to culinary school. My dad didn't know. He didn't know for an entire year. Uh, and that's kind of where it all started. Uh, I got my first shot with Chef Richard Knight. I'm sure you're familiar with him. Um, when he was working at the Chevron corporate building downtown, he bought me in. This was a bonafide tea company. And once he started branching off, he reached out to me. and was like, hey, man, I want to show you everything. I want to take him out under my wing. And I'm going to show you the business. So I was actually the first two chef at Beast Houston with him. Uh, so I was part of that whole process, the James Beard nomination, the uh, GQ Best Bites uh, situation that we did there. And then from there, uh, I knew if I wanted to make some noise in this business, uh, I knew I knew how to cook, but I needed to go down the corporate sector to kind of understand the business side behind the culinary industry. Uh, so I went to Hotel Icon, worked there for a couple of years. Uh, they boosted me to make me the executive chef at the Halloween next to the football stadium. From there, P.F. Chang's uh, was there for a couple of years, just to kind of learn the corporate structure and uh, took a little break. I became a personal chef, made a lot of noise in that sector of the business, uh, made my trunk and returned back to the industry to open up Pinstripes. I was actually the opening chef of the Pinstripes over off of Kirby. Uh, and they actually still use some of my recipes and dishes on their menu nationwide at, at this moment. And then from there, you know, I just well, I wanted to get into the consulting side of the business since I understood that I knew the business part of it. I knew I know how to cook. And I knew that because I knew the business side of it, it would make me a lot more valuable to restaurant owners. And that's who we are today, man. And I ran it. I, I met Rob and him through a uh, contact and we hit it off immediately, had a great conversation, a great meeting. And I, and the funny thing about it was, was I, I've been wanting to work with these guys for a while. Uh, I remember sending a message to one of the owners of uh, Steve, who was one of the owners of Ward also, and years ago. 
telling him, hey, man, I'm Chef Jabril. I, I see what you're doing. I really would love to kind of come in and work with you. Of course, he ignored it. Uh, but I, years <laughs> later, he sent, he sent me a message on Instagram, and I think he noticed that I hit him up years ago and was like, oh. But, you know, things happen for a reason, uh, right season, right time, and I feel like right now is the right time. All right, so so just say a little more about that because we can we can kind of move into the rock house portion. But what was it about rock house that appealed to you specifically? Well, you know, I, one on music junk. So uh, my my uncle was actually a, a senior VP of Sony Music. So I grew up in the music business. So anything that had that involved food and music, I was always down for it, man. And when I sit down with Rob, you know, him and his wife put together kind of a sketch menu. And I was like, yeah, this this is what Houston needs, man. And it kind of gives you that whole uh, G-junk feel. You know, like back in the day when people used to go to the clubs and get the good good food. I'm not talking about finger foods. I'm talking about there'll be somebody back there cooking fried fish, fried chicken, smothered oxtails, smothered pork chops, things like that. And people would, you know, get good drinks and listen to good music, man. And I think and to that point, I think Houston was missing that. Rob, I think I think that's a good place to kind of to bring you back in. I mean, you know, you you took on an iconic location with the Warwick taking over for a, a Houston's that had been there for thirty years. Uh, Rock House was the Billy Blue space for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, tell me about making that decision to to take on another, you know, another venue where. You know, people have a lot of memories of, of being there, and, and that comes with a certain level of expectations, I would think. Yeah, it does. And, and funny story, I don't know if you're privy to this or not. When my, uh, probably my early 20s, I guess, I'm oh, sorry, early 30s, should I say, I was actually a promoter for the horn at the time. <laughs> and yeah, so, you know, things have kind of come full circle. I remember the venue again when I was up and coming in the promotions game and stuff of that nature, and to be able to come full circle and actually own it. And conceptualize it with some of my vision and expertise has been phenomenal. And again, like you said, taking over two iconic locations less than a mile apart um, is just, I mean, it's incredible. And it's a sight to see. Yeah. So talk to me about kind of conceiving of, of Rock House. And, you know, you've been you've been open for a little while now. So how has how has the concept evolved as you, you know, engage with customers and kind of learn what they want from you? It's, it's kind of felt right to play, you know, with Warwick kind of be our more, being our more elevated dining experience. Um, that box is checked. Prospect Park is kind of our little younger, hipper vibe. Uh, we needed to find a, a middle ground for, you know, our, our clientele in which they could casually dress, but still be of like kind of quality, college educated, corporate, in the live music, in the sports, uh, stuff of that nature. And I think we checked that box with Rock House where, it, you know, it kind of falls in where it's a hybrid of, you know, you can enjoy sports. You, you can enjoy local bands. Uh, you can hear some, some I guess, uh, some new up-and-coming artists and also hear national artists. Yeah, I, I guess, Jabril, talk to me talk to me about the, the menu a little bit because, I you know, we went, you know, Felice and I went for an episode uh, a while back. I, I remember, yeah. We were, <laughs> we were I mean, I'll, I'll you know, you can, you can go back and listen to it or the audience can go back and listen to it, but we were very impressed by how good the food is and, and – in in a restaurant or a, a kind of a, a bar setting like that, that's that's not always the case, right? That you're going for the ambiance, you're going for the band, or you're going to party and and slam drinks or whatever. You're not always going for the food, but it it works as a restaurant. And so, 
you know, tell me about kind of coming up with some of these menu items or, or setting a standard that that works even at volume, right? Even even when there's, you know, a few hundred people packed into there. On a- oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'll say this, man. You know, this is what I love working with Rob because, you know, Rob is a foodie. So uh, when we talked about this concept, you know, my first thought was, okay, you know, a lot of times a lot of people just, you know, the food is like the afterthought. But he really wanted the food to be a big piece of the puzzle and at some, and, and at some point, you know, the star of the show. So he kind of, uh, we picking back off each other. He bounced some ideas to me. I bounced some things back to him. And, you know, we came up with something that was uh, executable, but also fresh, also scratch, also uh, sustainable. And just, just to make sure that we're giving, you know, the guests everything that we have, man. And it takes a team, though. It takes a team. It's not just me. You know, Chef Fernando's there also. And uh, we've handpicked a lot of the cooks that we have there. A lot of those cooks have high volume uh, experience because you're right. You know, and it's, it's one thing to do it on a Monday and Tuesday. But when it's a Friday, Saturday or even a Sunday, Saturday, Sunday brunch, uh, how can we execute that at a high level? And we've been able to do it because we've been very consistent with our recipes. We've been able to do it because we've been consistent with the people that we have in our kitchen. And the trust that we have in our team, man. And I think, you know, as an executive chef, that's one thing I've always uh, uh, understood. I wasn't a real big rah-rah kind of guy. I wasn't a big yelling kind of guy, even though I grew up in that side of the business. Uh, I understood that, you know, there's a people aspect to this business. And if you take care of the people around you, they'll they'll take care of you, whether you're there or not. I mean, I, I got to say, I it, it never would have occurred to me to put cream collards and oxtails in an egg roll. But I'm so glad that you did. <laughs> that's just one of those sneaky dishes that just, you you just bite into that and it was gone. I mean, it, it didn't last very long. Yeah, I can't tell, I can't take all the credit, man. Rob was the uh, deciding factor on that. I, I think we were putting something else into that first. <laughs> yeah, first, you know, that's another funny story. I think Jabril <laughs> had his own way of, of, of cooking leftovers and I did as well. So when I brought the idea of uh, what we call a soul roll of sorts, uh, yeah. he's like, oh, I did that too. So uh, clearly it was we played around with maybe fried turkey or oxtails and actually even taking some old mac and cheese, even some of the cornbread yeah. dressing and the collard greens and rolling it up. And I've done that. Per- I've made it personally in my home, and it was a huge hit the day after Thanksgiving when you're watching all the college ball games, man, I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, so – Tell me a little bit about kind of the live music aspect. Like how many nights a week do you actually have people performing and, and maybe what are the genres that, that people have responded to the most? Um, quite honestly, we're driven pretty much by R&B music, to be honest with you. Uh, Thursday night, Magic 102 is our is our partner. They do a phenomenal talent night. They have 10 to 12 local acts that come in. They're, you know, straight off the street. And I thought it was going to be like some, you know, fired up karaoke, but they have some outstanding talent that actually could play ball with us on Friday and Saturday nights. Friday and Saturday nights, we have usually local bands, and in one one weekend month, one weekend date of the month, we do our national act. Uh, we've had Kiki Wide, we've had Case, we've had uh, who's it? we've had who's we had bro? Uh, Genuine. Um, we've had um, who else we had? I can't uh, remember. He just came this weekend. Um, Scarface. We had local Scarface. Yeah. Scarface. Scarface. Yeah. yeah. I can't even keep up. <laughs> <laughs> they, they keep it rolling. <laughs> All 
All right. And tell, I, I know you just had a, you just had an event with Cedric, the entertainer. I, I saw that on, mm-hmm. uh, on uh, the Imani experience speed. I know she was out there hanging out mm-hmm. with y'all that night. So how does, how does an event like that come together? What was it like hanging out with Cedric, the entertainer? It's really neat. I have a friend of mine that's part of his promotional team that reached out and Cedric has a book that he's trying to raise awareness of. And he also has a new wine that he's trying to raise awareness of. So he's chosen about seven of major key markets in the country to kind of just drop in, do a you know more intimate uh, book signing, wine tasting of sorts, take question Q&A from the uh, from the customers in a more intimate setting as opposed to some of his larger you know comedy shows. So, you know, he came in beforehand did a private meet and greet you know signed books took pictures sat down read some excerpts from his book talked about where he got the motivation from and where the you know the whole energy of the book came from and then after that hung around took pictures and uh, he's a big cigar guy like i am so we him and his uh, teams hung around he smoked cigars almost 12 30 in the morning so we had a we had a blast so this this interview is taking place in the larger context culture map has our Ultimate sports bar tournament going on as part of the tailgate, which is our sports themed event that's happening later this month on October 25th. So, I mean, Rob, obviously, you you know, you've been involved with Prospect Park and and now Rock House. So, so tell me about game day at Rock House, I guess. Tell me about how you shift from kind of live music to to hosting a, a good watching experience for for sports fans. And uh, again, coming from that that Prospect park we're nine years in over there i didn't we didn't re- reinvent the wheel with with the whole sports element and the whole key in my opinion you know when it comes to any type of sporting event is making sure you have accessibility to plenty of tvs being able to have all the games on you know houston's a huge melting pot with a lot of people who've relocated from all the country regionally and they want to see their team they want to see the seattle seahawks they want to see their New York teams. They want to see their Midwest teams. And same thing as it relates to college college games as well. Our whole focus is making sure that we have we have 30 plus TVs. We want to make sure that people have the ability or we have the ability to be able to provide those games that these folks may not see sitting at home or maybe sitting in some of their sports bars, maybe in their neighborhood. That's one star. And then like like Jabril alluded to, having some real good food, some real, you know, well thought out food, um, culinary and, you know, you know, the cocktails and the beer, you know, it, that just kind of comes with the territory. <laughs> Rob, I mean, like I said, you've been in this, you've been in this business for a long time. You started this close to 10 years ago. I mean, how has, how has owning or operating a sports bar evolved in that time? What are, what do people look for now that maybe they didn't back then? So funny. <laughs> now I think it's more of a copycat environment, you know, just being honest. Um, I've, you know, we've seen a lot of, of people kind of cut and paste the the concept or the idea of the concept and just kind of throw their own little twist into it. So um, now, you know, we keep finding ourselves, you know, reinventing, um, you know, and again, that's, that's, you know, adding hybrid aspects to it. You know, one thing, like you said, you go from just bar food to elevated food. So basically, you know, we have some concepts or some concepts we've seen it tried to emerge image what we did so we took the we took a step up in terms of our culinary um in terms of then also the, our look and feel like even with a rock house and then adding that you know that musical element you know sports you know although there's sports seven days a week we understand you know in, in terms of keeping folks attention span we may have to add some wrinkles some wrinkles to the play 
And one of the things that we do is adding that live music thing to it. So that's kind of worked out. Karaoke aspect, where it's more interactive. So basically just trying to add little wrinkles and create a hybrid environment where sports is the, is the main focus. But there still are some other opportunities for folks to, you know, just get other other enjoyment out of the other venue. Yeah, I mean, in some because in some ways, you know, somewhere like somewhere on that spectrum, like if, if we're if we're looking at this like very modern, you know, vibe dining trend that's that's got the the nightlife aspect and the food and and all that. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we dig back into history, I I guess Prospect Park like has a role in kind of shaping that, right? Like kind of blending elements in ways that people didn't didn't think about. A hundred percent. Like when I was in college, you know, when I, when I was, you know, I guess the only place I remember us going to watch sports at was Hooters. And then um, it was Champs Americana over in Uptown Park. Uh, right. Right. So, <laughs> so, you know, that, that was kind of the, you know, the, the benchmark for which you wanted, you know, your sports experience to be. And then I guess fast forward to Prospect Park. Well, clearly, you know, the opulence, the look and feel, the the big couches, you know, and bigger TVs and, you know, um, and again, the food element, the food element, I can't say enough about increasing, the, you know, the level of, of, of the food game was, was crucial, not just wings, but, you know, creating some real thought provoking food. Or, but. But wait, but you still have to have wings, right? I mean, you can't. Oh, so a hundred percent. That's why we probably <laughs> and and at Prospect we have, you know, arguably I think we still have the best wings in the city. But you know, some would would venture to say different. But again, having you know your fifteen or twenty different flavors of wings, wing offerings, and so forth, you know, is crucial. Now, Rock House, we don't go on the deep end with that. I think we have a couple different flavors that we that we hold tried, you know, that we feel are pretty solid. And we just kind of run with it. I think the other items that we have on the menu kind of speak for themselves. <laughs> All right, Chef. What what are talk to me about wings? Like, cause because everybody, you know, there are there are places that do them, but there are I I do think it's somewhat rare to find a, a truly good wing in this town. So so what what is the secret for you? What what is the key to cooking wings properly? Man, you want my secrets? Jeez. <laughs> in like a kind of like I don't need like a recipe, <laughs> just like in terms of like. You know, because you want them to be um, crispy, you want the flavors yeah, to be balanced. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I'll tell you this. Uh the most important thing, and, and Rob will agree with this because we talk about this all the time. The size of the wing, man. I mean, everybody runs to those jumbo wings or everybody runs to those small wings, man. But you know, getting a good quality, medium-sized wing, clean, no feathers, not a lot of fat content. I mean, what, what people don't understand is, is when you're doing R&D, when you're creating a menu, there's a lot that goes into it. It's not just about picking the recipes, but it's also uh, doing that procurement and make sure you're getting the right vendors and picking up the right quality of ingredients, man. And I think, you know, to I think that's what a lot of restaurants are missing is they don't really focus on that part. You know, you have a lot of people that may just and it's just no knock to them. They may drive over to restaurant depot and get their car to get their food and. I've done all of those things. So I understand the difference between going to Restaurant Depot or going to Gordon's, who we use now, or going to Cisco or whatever company it is. Uh, I understand the difference of it. So when I when I create menus, I, I make, it my, make it a point to source the quality ingredients, not just go for what's the cheapest thing. Yeah, because I, I mean, I think, you know, Rock House and Prospect Park and, and certainly the Warwick, right? People will pay for quality if it's, consistent and if they can taste the difference exactly exactly consistency is the key of the game i mean 
And I always tell people, you know, uh, coming from that corporate sector, you understand how to turn everybody into robots. You know what I mean? And if you turn everybody into robots, the food will come out the same way. It'll taste the same way every single time. And, and cooks don't mind being robots as long as they're paid well. You know what I mean? Because if you ask half the cooks in the kitchen, hey, do you want to be a sous chef? Most of them will say no. You know what I mean? They're okay in their role. They come in, they do their job, and they leave, man. And it's up to us to create the right environment for those guys. And I think we do a great job of doing that. Uh, and it all starts with ownership. I mean, those guys come in, positive attitude, and and it trickles down to management and it trickles down to the cooks, man. And that that's the total recipe of consistency is just, you know, allowing that that uh, that attitude to trickle down from ownership all the way down to the dishwasher. You know, and I would think there's some pride in, in working at somewhere busy, right? Knowing that you're making hundreds of people happy on a on a Sunday for brunch or on a, a Friday night when there's a band in. I, I think I think that would drive some job satisfaction. It's a surreal feel, man. I, I'll tell you that. I, I tell people all the time, like being a chef at, at a high volume restaurant is almost like, you know, being an NBA player because the the amount of comfort that you are how happy and exuberant you feel when you have an, 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 an amazing shift or when you read reviews and, and me and my wife do it all the time I'm like oh my god like these people are really rocking with this man this is really cool to kind of see man and you know I can't thank Robin them enough for just even giving me the opportunity man to kind of you know utilize their pool and their network to you know share some of this these dishes and ingredients with people man and, and it's been a really it's been an awesome road man and I look forward to what's coming, to be honest with you. Yeah, Rob, let me let me kind of wrap this portion of the conversation up with you. I mean, you know, like Jabril said, you're a foodie. I, I follow you on Instagram. I know you're I know you're out <laughs> and about all the time. Like, what are what are some of the what are some of the spots that are inspiring you right now? Like who do you who do you see out there that's doing a really good job? Uh obviously, I mean I can't speak highly enough about uh Benjamin Berg, man. It seems like everything. Uh, he touches, uh, turns to gold. Uh, Benny Childs, his latest concept is, you know, phenomenal with that Cantonese-style uh, Asian-influenced cuisine, man. I, I, you know, <laughs> I, I guess let me tell you about a guilty pleasure. This guy had a dessert, man, that was a, uh, a ice cream pie. Uh, uh, um, ice cream, yeah, cake uh, with, you know, with oh, like you had when you were a kid. And he has, I guess, a, a elevated version of that. And I found myself, I think I went there and got it to go like two or three times in one week. <laughs> man, it was ice cream sandwich. It was crazy, man. Like he handmade the cookies and ice cream was just so, oh my God, man. But yeah, that's that's definitely one of the places that's, that's kind of blowing, everything he does is blowing me away. And then B&B Butchers, of course, uh, is phenomenal as well. Let me let me shift back to sports bars for just, just a second. I mean, you know, it, it sort of occurs to me that there isn't like, I can't think of anything around town that's like like real focused on like one team or another, like a Rockets bar, or an Astros bar, or a Texans bar. Is that just because like we root for so many teams, right? Like if you opened a Longhorn bar, you'd alienate Aggies and LSU Tigers, or you you know, or or is it that like we as a city, you know, like in some ways I feel like we're we're finally coming into our own as Astros fans, right? The team success has really like opened right. a door that maybe didn't exist before. Right. I, again, like I alluded to earlier, you know, Houston is such a melting pot. I meet so many people from every freaking city you could imagine, man. And 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 to try to 
tight-fence yourself, you know, under one one sports team would probably be shooting yourself in the foot. I think, you know, sports is sports. I mean, I played football, ran track, high school, was fired to do it in college, had a bad neck injury, had to let it go. But, you know, sports fans, you know, that it transcends any city, you know, in all sports. I think you have to be, you have to have broad strokes in terms of your concept to make sure you're able to reach everybody. Believe it or not, you know, even with Prospect Park, I know there may be a, a thought process, okay, well, we're kind of predominantly African-American driven, but believe it or not, we gave some of the best World Cup events over there that you could imagine, uh, phenomenal. And it's even to this day, you know, I'm, I was telling my wife the other day, like, man, one of the best events in those nine years I ever gave, it was World Cup when Brazil played uh, Colombia, man. It was incredible you had people walking out of there crying after their team lost that day man it was incredible so so let me just ask you i mean what what's next for you because you you do like you said you kind of have you have super casual you have kind of a mid-range and you've got a, a fine dining i mean what do you what do you find yourself gravitating towards as you start thinking about what's next Man, that's a no-brainer for me, and I think Jeffrey will tell you. I, I'm, I've been, you know, I'm in love with all all these concepts, like our babies, <laughs> right? But uh, I think Warwick is kind of like, uh, you know, our, you know, the our favorite child because, you know, kind of, you know, we took a step. You know, it wasn't what something that we were known for, and for us to be able to step out and, in my opinion, hit it on the head, um, it's phenomenal. We get a lot of calls, a lot of emails. A lot of investor calls from celebrities, athletes, et cetera, wanting to invest in a Warwick in their respective city. So we'd be remiss if we did not entertain or explore uh, those opportunities with with Warwick. So at this point in time right now, we've already started, re, you know, communicating with uh, different folks in different markets and just trying to see which one it will be the best fit for the Warwick. But we definitely feel like we could scale that and take that one on the road. Yeah, just take that. Just take that Hawaiian ribeye and, and pluck it down uh, <laughs> everywhere you want. That, that's the <laughs> yes, yes. 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 <laughs> all right. All right. Jabril, my, my last question is for you. I just, you know, you mentioned you worked at Feast with Richard. So I, I have to ask, give me, give me one good radio friendly Richard Knight story. Oh, man. Let's see. Which one can I give you? Oh, well, I'll tell you this, man. Uh, <laughs> okay, I got one. I got one. So you know, remember it was it was a channel, so we cooked everything, <laughs> right? So, so I, one I, time, I mean, I, like I remember, I, I I'll just tell you just to <laughs> to set this up. Like I remember, there was the, the menu changed for people who'd never made it to feast because it's been a while. The menu yeah. changed every day, and it depended on whatever you got in from your farmers exactly. and your ranchers. Exactly. So I remember yeah. one day being like, okay, I'm gonna. You know, I've never had like a proper beef liver, and there was calf liver on the menu. Oh I'm man, gonna, I'm gonna be a foodie. I'm gonna I'm gonna order it, and I like I took two bites, and it was so like it had that metallic, awful O F F A L, yeah. not A W F U L, tang, and it was cooked properly. And I just like I was just like, oh, I I screwed up. I do not like this. This is <laughs> this this is an acquired taste that I have yet to acquire. So man, oh. It, it, you know what, man? I I think doing the beef lips was was fun. Uh, chicken hearts, man. We had a really good chicken heart uh, dish on the menu that was phenomenal, man. Uh, the tagine that we did was incredible. But I tell you, one time, so we got a pig in, right? And Rich was like, "Let's try to cook the kidneys. Let's see what it does, right?" And he tried to cook the kidneys, 
and the entire restaurant smelled like urine. To the point, we ended up closing that day. They had to open the windows up because remember it was that house. <laughs> and I just, man, I swear I laughed so hard that day, man. And I just remember us going across the street to the to the store, getting a beer, and we got drunk in there, man. And it was, but <laughs> it was, it was fun, man, because Richard was his mind just never stopped working, dude. And I learned so, so much from him, man. And and I, like, to, to this day, you know, like, he is the reason where I am, you know, outside of my father and my grandmother. Like, he was the one that was like, hey, man, I'm going to show you this business. And it was it was phenomenal, man. But, yeah, that was, that, that I never forget that story, man. It was, whew, and it was ranking. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's, that's a wonderful note to end on. Before I let you go, we have to play the lightning round. Five easy questions, five short answers. Jabril, this is all you because Rob did it last time. So, oh, man. <laughs> so just say the first thing that comes to mind. Jabril Riddick, what is your favorite ingredient? Mm. Ooh. Um, easy. Uh, my, what, no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. I'm going to tell you my favorite ingredient. Like, it's nutmeg. I love nutmeg. I'm a nutmeg guy. Like, I feel like nutmeg makes anything taste better, no matter what it is. And being from, you know, my family being from the Virgin Islands, that whole Caribbean cooking, uh, nutmeg is actually a key ingredient in, in that, you know. So that's my thing. All right. What is the first band you ever saw in concert? Uh, it wasn't a band. It was a uh, individual. It was two people. I'm a, I grew up a jazz fan. Uh, my dad introduced me to jazz at a young age. I actually played tennis saxophone when I was a younger for middle school for my birthday, he took me to go see Joe Sample and he was with Layla Hathaway. And I'm a big Joe Sample fan. So all right. That's a good memory. I, I that that's our that's definitely our first uh that's that's firstly that's our first Joe Sample, I'm sure, in, in, oh, in three hundred episodes. Huge uh, <laughs> What is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive thru. Uh nachos from Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And then no. <laughs> uh, you know, we're talking. We've been talking sports bars. So, who is your favorite Houston sports figure, past or present? Kim Olajuwon, hands down. I'm a huge Rockets fan. I'm probably the biggest Rockets fans in, in the city of Houston. Uh, hands down, Kim Olajuwon is. I still haven't met him. That's, that's that will be a dream for me one day. Like Olajuwon is up there for me. You know, what I mean, it's right under my family. To, <laughs> you're gonna have to do like a special uh, halal section on the Warwick. Maybe you can get him. I'm in. with it. I will do it. <laughs> All right. Then last question. When you're ordering a pizza, what are your go-to toppings? Oh man, that's that's tough. You know, that's hard for me, man, because I eat everything. I, I'm not a person that, that's really picky when it comes to those kind of things. Um if you would have asked me this maybe a couple of years ago, it would have been everything that has meat, everything that's meat. Uh, but now I'm a little more conservative, so uh, I, I mix in some spinach. Uh, my son loves pineapples. I'm not a pineapple fan on a pizza. Peppers. Uh, I've grown to love olives, believe it or not. That's a big thing for pizza. Like, big, big ingredient on pizza for me also. But, I mean, that's a tough one, man. I, I eat everything. All right, fair enough. Rob, give me the give me the website and the social media for Rock House Southern Kitchen. Uh, Rock House HTX. Easy enough. All right. Jabril, you want to you plug your uh, Instagram? You want people to follow you? Yes, yes. At Chef Jabril, J-A-B-R-I-L. Chef Jabril. 
Gentlemen, thank you both for doing this. I appreciate it. Our pleasure. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. You can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.